0: Someday, you'll follow faith. They say I'm the chosen one. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another week of One Dream by the Grass Factor. My goodness, my goodness. I am finally starting to recover from the GIE. Ain't nothing gonna stop this. Ain't nothing gonna stop this fire. I tell you what i'm excited to be back in the recording studio to record this my goodness so all right everybody so we're going to keep diving into the story of everything that's going on right so as we left off less last, last week i kind of uh Kind of clued everybody in there that we were uh, we were going to be talking about moving into manufacturing and more people, right? So, you know, we 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 formed the company, we established this relationship with our investors, and uh, you know, John and I, we had to. I guess really what it came down to it is that we had to figure out like what to do at this point, right? Because because everything became real. Really fast, and so, you know, we, we we knew what we wanted to do. We knew what we were going to do. We knew what the overall plan was. I mean, we had the plan on paper, right? You know, you've got you've got your business plan on paper. You've got your business model on paper. You know what that looks like, and you've been through enough pitches at this point where you b- believe it. It's in enco- it's encompassing of you. It's it's become who you are as a human being. You are now this project, and there's there's no discernible difference between you and Carbon Earth and Carbon Earth and you, and that accounts for me. That accounts for John Borden. That accounts for uh, our investors. That accounts for uh, Charlie Mann, and and uh, in, and in so the, you know at, at this point, really, John and I cannot do it all alone, right? Uh, When it it comes to uh, constructing a manufacturing facility, two people alone can't get that done because there's, one, the workload is so large, and two, it's really complex. There's, you know, as I talked about last week, there's a lot of moving parts in this whole thing. So we need people to help at this point. And and so that that's immediately what what we start doing. You know, we start recruiting people to help us with this project. And where do we go first? We, you know, we, we look we look internally, right? Um, and so this is where David comes in. David uh, is our engineer. And uh, he actually is an industrial engineer, so he's very familiar with manufacturing. has worked in automotive his whole career, uh, automotive has some pretty strict manufacturing uh, principles too. Uh, he also has some experience in the composting industry, recycling. Uh, so there is the sustainability aspect of it, and it was just a good fit. And then the other part is that it's actually John's dad, so i were like, okay, this is this is great. This is a perfect fit. Plus, John Stat has that same entrepreneurial fire that John has. So, it just it, it's if if there was ever anything that made us look at uh, this project and um you know, J- John always said to me uh, everything happens for a reason. And whether that had to do with the, the people that came in and helped us in the project or it just, it all, it always made sense, you know, and, and, and so even this, this experience here with, with David, right? It just made sense, right? It's John's dad, he's got industrial engineering experience. Uh, he has manufacturing experience and uh, the piece of sustainability manufacturing it was just a good fit. And it's a big confidence booster to be able to have someone like that on the team. You know, it, it really starts to, it, uh, you, 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 you develop this camaraderie. You develop this feeling, this uh, energy. It provides energy. And, it, and it's not to say that we were ever lacking in energy, but it really makes you feel like you can just grab anything by the throat. <laughs> And that's, that's maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, but you, you do, you just, you, you develop this sense of, of confidence that you really, you can take on the world, right? So, and you know, you know, David comes on board and then he's, he starts talking to us about a guy named Jim, who Jim, he's worked with Jim in, uh, uh, renewable energy. Uh, he is very aware of Jim's abilities as, um, one who can run a plant, another who can manage people and another who can, uh, get shit done. The great mechanic, great with his hands. you uh, can, you can really just, he could tackle a, a series of tasks that are put before him. And so we, and plus he's also got design experience too. So we, <laughs> we, we sit down and we talk to Jim, you know, Hey Jim. Uh you know we we look at your qualifications, we look at your relationship with David, and you know wanted to see would there be interest in you working with us on this project? And a, a resounding yes came forward. Resounding yes. So now we've got who's going to become our plant manager? We have an industrial engineer. We've got John Borden and we've got myself, and we're starting to really feel like a team, right? This is, this is the foundation, and still is, the, you know, the, this, this is how, you know, it, it 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 started on the napkin with John and I, and then it became John and I, uh, uh, who 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 were able to secure the the financing and the foundation with our investors, and then as you really make that first step into what makes Carbon Earth Carbon Earth. Uh, well, you know, of course, and I'm, I'm leaving out and you, John had the relationship with Charlie. So at that point it was, it was really, it was myself, it was John, it was Charlie, it was Singapore. And now we've got a real team. We have an engineer on board and we have a plant manager on board. Now's the time you really feel like you can conquer the world. I mean, if, if <laughs> I, I hate to say this, but it, Made me so cocky that I just, I wanted to talk shit to any and everybody I possibly could. Um And this is where I had to learn how to mature personally, because, you know, the first thing I want to do is I want to go after all the big guys I've ever known in the industry and tell them, you know, Hey, get ready because here we come little low carbon earth Couple of couple of rednecks out of Tennessee are about to do some, some crazy stuff in the industry. I hope you're ready because we are coming. I'm still having to grow out of that phase. <laughs> I'm proud of us. What can I say? I'm proud of us. Okay, so let me start moving into the construction, right? So we know where we're going to build. We know... Um, through the design process, uh, you, you know John has kind of put together a list of equipment. Uh, David has begun working on a layout, and uh, Jim has begun the design of of what that footprint would would actually look like once installed in the plant. So then it's time to start talking to people that are going to actually manufacture the equipment that are going that is going into our plant. And, uh, we actually found a manufacturer out of Tennessee, uh, that appeared that had experience in fertilizer and we contacted them. Uh, we gave them the scope of our project and it, now granted, okay, let me, and, and let me make this really clear, right? We had one engineer. We had one plant manager. We had one John Borden, and at this stage of the game, there's zero value I can add. Really, the only thing I'm able to add to the project at this point is uh, being a roadblock. I'm, I'm at this point. I'm a uh, what's the what's the word? I'm a speed bump, right? Because they can all you know trend and have trajectory in 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 one general line of sight. And then anything I basically say at this point slows, slows them down. Um, but there was a lot of questions for me, you know, uh, about one, the final recipe that would go into our product. And, and that was kind of my thing. That's my piece, right? Um, and, and then part of the design process would be when we get the raw materials to start uh, agglomerating our, our final product, you know what forms do those come in because you know that may mean that you know do we have to have particle size reduction at this point of the process or do we have to do particle size reduction at a later part of the process? You know, where, how many how many hoppers do we need on this side? How many hoppers do we need on that side? Right. So there's there's a lot of you know engineering and, and decision making that has to go on. Uh, With that, and so there's a lot of questions for for me, you know. And then the work on on kind of on my part there is, you know, go contact these raw material people and figure out, you know, what what does this material actually look like when we get it. Okay. Uh, So, and then you know, I would report back. Okay, we can get this for this price. We can get this for that price. Uh, What do we want to do? Okay. Well, then uh, let's let's go for that price, and then you know we'll install the equipment at this point in the line. Right. So all of that began to come together. Uh, we got, we got together a layout. We went, we went to this company in Tennessee pack manufacturing and, um, we're like, okay, here's, here's the, the concept, here's the design. Um, David uh, gave them throughputs as far as, you know, how fast we need the material moving around the place, uh, in order to hit our target, target numbers. And we were off to the races, right? So, um, you know, PAC what you know, basically talked to us about the different uh, projects they had worked on. Um, they were they're well known, very well known in the nursery industry. Um, you know, moving around, I don't know, whatever you do in the, in, in packaging for the nursery industry. That's uh, soil blending, those types of things. That's 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 kind of their thing. Okay we we go out we meet these guys we shake hands we look at it on paper um uh you know we we have a rough idea of you know what kind of uh in we didn't have an electrician on staff uh even though really Jim is kind of an electrician uh but we we, we didn't have an electrical engineer on staff and uh, as as we were we were developing this, and they were they were giving us how much uh, um, um, current or amperage, you know, we would need for each piece of equipment. You know, we had to take that information and then go to um, uh, the the energy supplier, and uh, and basically say, you know, listen, we're going to be building a manufacturing facility. These are these are our loads, right? And uh, you know, size our transformer for us and you know we have to send set up a, an industrial account and and all this great stuff so we we get that information back and we didn't know how to present this to the energy company in Kentucky so <laughs> kind of scanning the rolodexes on you know who can we talk to that's a that's an uh, an electrical engineer to help help us put this together. Um, and this is back to one of those things when John says everything happens for a, a, a reason. You know, here we are uh, because who was my first call? My first call was actually my dad. Uh, my dad is an electrical engineer. Has been an electrical engin- engineer since uh, since you know he's twenty one years old. Uh, he's been with the same company since then. He's been with the same company almost 40 years. Uh, he's been an electrical engineer involved in research and development um, for, for a very, very large company, very large uh, elevator company. He's, he's, he's been in design for, for, for forever. Um, well, before, before I, I came along. So (laughs) it was, it was great because I was like, dad, dad, look at this, look at this project we're working on. You know, can you help us with this? And, and you know, my dad was kind of privy to what we were going on, but he wasn't, he wasn't super privy with, with all the details of it. And so this, it was kind of shocking for him, I guess. I know we had lots of, of really long, long, long conversations where, he was just—he was—I think he just had a lot of questions, you know, because one, he wanted to make sure we actually understood what we were doing, um, and two, not necessarily to spark spark fear in us. You know, you have to—you have to think about how an engineer is going to going to come at you, right? So. An engineer is going to look at a you know anything is a, is a is a problem right and you have to come up with a, a solution for that problem and engineers do this in a very logical way they start at, at point A and identify all the potential issues for point A and then point B becomes identifying all the potential issues that were identified for identifying the potential issues for point A. And so it creates this, this spiderweb effect, you know, of, of more and more and more and more and more. But actually, as you spider web out, the details begin to emerge. And so with each set of uh, identifiable problems, you are able to come up with solutions that are um, identifiable details for, in this case, uh, a project to build a fertilizer plant. And so we we had a lot of those questions and then that it was it was really then I guess um it, it, you know dad I I think it it took that level of uh of of questioning for my dad to actually understand the project and uh, what exactly we're doing because my, my dad doesn't come from the fertilizer world. So, you know, we talk about manufacturing fertilizer and to him, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's completely new. It's green. It'd be like asking a swimmer to hop on a bicycle and ride 888 miles. You know, it's just a, uh, it's, it's just kind of a, a, a stark contrast from what he's used to doing, you know? Um, so anyway, I, I You know, I I was able to give him (laughs) all the electrical stuff and and you know, my dad my dad was like, This is this is this is this is good information, this is a good start, but there's a lot of holes here. And he just he kind of wanted to warn me that even though this is a good start, this is not the end all be all. You've got a lot of gaps that needed to be filled in. But uh, at least when it comes to the electrical component, here are the loads you're looking for. And he was able to fill out the the load sheet for us uh, with an approximation based on the approximations that came from Pack manufacturing that came from the approximations from uh, our engineering team, you know, David and John and um, Jim. So... With that information, we were then able to go to the electrical board. The electrical board sized the transformer. Uh, You know, we were able to put the down payment on to have them run electricity. They began doing that. Uh, A pack, in the meantime, started construction. And... At this point, you know we're making lots of trips to, to pack manufacturing to go, you know, see the progress that's being made. And and let me tell you, if you've ever been inside of a fabricate, if you've never been inside of a fabrication shop that uh, manufactures industrial equipment, go go check it out. It's unbelievable. Um, teams of people, uh, steel everywhere, sparks flying all over the place, welders going, lines and rows of welders going nonstop. It's just a sight to see. And then to even see your equipment that's broken down in stages, you know, where you've got, uh, you know, hopper bodies that have been assembled and they're working on the legs or you've got uh, conveyor bodies that are assembled and, you know, there hasn't gone to paint yet and everything's just in this raw steel form. It's just freaking cool. And kind of at this time, I, th- I think, for me at least, the brevity of the situation, the reality of the situation was beginning to creep in. And now, all of a sudden, the sleeplessness that occurs isn't because there's so much work to do. The sleeplessness occurs because the reality of the situation is setting in that, oh, my God, this is happening. This is real Um that's the first time in my life I'd ever been around that kind of equipment. It wasn't for John and David and Jim. They were all they've always, you know, for the majority of their career they've been around that kind of equipment. It doesn't scare them. It was the first time I'd ever been around that equipment it scared me. And at the same time, you know, so this is September, October time frame and you know we're looking to be running by January 1. If the nerves are, are really coming up fast, and so there's lots of trips that, that that are occurring back and forth. You know, single day drives where, you know, we're going to Kentucky uh, because you know they've started uh, uh, you know laser leveling the pad, and then they're pouring the pad, um, and you know we, we know mid November they they're showing up to um, install our building they're going to start they're going to start building our building and we get a phone call we get a phone call sometime around the end of October and that phone call says bad news your building is going to be delayed okay what does that mean it's going to be delayed well we hope to have it in by December 1st okay that's that's a 2 week delay. I mean is is that bad? I I, I don't know. But th- this is how naive I was to the situation was that when when John told me it was going to take 6 weeks to install the equipment in the plant I could not wrap my brain around that. I knew the pieces I knew the the pieces of equipment we had. I knew the total numbers. I knew the size of it. I knew who was installing everything. I could not wrap my brain around how in the world it would take six weeks to install that amount of equipment. And I'll tell you why I couldn't wrap my brain around it is because I had nothing to fall back on in that moment and say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I've done a project like that. Okay, so I've done retaining walls. I've done... um, uh, you know, laying, laying pavers that, that took six weeks, been a part of projects of retaining walls that took, you know, four weeks be- between dancing back and forth between engineering firms and, and, uh, you know, or having to work around uh, somebody that's in, installing a pool and, you know, they've, they've finished one side and they start moving to the other. And that's, so that's and installing you know, all kinds of drainage systems. And um, I, I mean, hell I even designed and, and designed a bridge, so I've, I've been, <laughs> I've been a part of and the, the bridge is still standing. I will say this and, and let me tell you, that's a hell of a story in and of itself. How I got sucked into that is just one, one chaotic, crazy thing. And I should have never, ever have, have been a part of that. But let me tell you in 24 hours, I learned how to use enough AutoCAD to be able to design a bridge and present it to a, a, a neighborhood association. And Oh my God. I digress. I didn't understand what it meant to take six weeks to install. So when we got delayed by two weeks, it was it was kind of a it was kind of a big deal. Uh, John understood what it meant. David understood what it meant. Uh, Jim understood what it meant. I did not understand what it what it meant and so, you know, it comes and goes, and we're, you know, we're trying, John's negotiating with him at this point. He's like, you know, well, listen, if we pay the whole balance of the building, can you get on it sooner, and blah, 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 and they're like, well, we got bad steel, you know, the steel that showed up, and actually, I think the initial delay was was actually six weeks, Uh, and then John negotiated to make it two weeks by um, uh, paying for the whole building before construction even started, and so, uh, you know, the time comes and goes. And and here's the other thing, too. With the building, you know, we, we needed to start the 1st of November so it could be done because the equipment from PAC Manufacturing was going to start showing up mid-November. And not just the equipment from PAC was going to start showing up mid-November. We had the equipment for, for our agglomeration equipment, our drying equipment. All of it was going to start showing up at the same time in mid-November. And now, all of a sudden, they're not going to start... Constructing the building, and, and now, mind you, it's a prefab building, so it they estimated it would go up in two weeks, so, you know, a little, little nerve-wracking there, and then at the same time, you know, we can't start running electricity inside the building until we have the building up, so you can see where it kind of creates a, a, a snowball effect of issues down the line. Okay. So they show up to start building the building equipment. You know, they they've got they've got uh, you know lifts and stuff there that are that are showing up and then and then three guys show up with tractor trailer loads of of materials that's going into the construction and these three guys are there to assemble our building. <laughs> Man, if there's ever a time where you're not sure if you should go swim, uh, in a in a 35 degree uh, semi frozen lake or not. It's when somebody shows up to construct your building with two other people, and then you ask them, you know, well, you done this before? And they're like, ah, once or twice. And you think they're exaggerating when they say that, but uh, yeah. Come to find out, no, literally, they'd only done it once or twice. And so they start. And, man, let me tell you, the weather was not on our side. It got cold, cold, cold. Some of the coldest temperatures in this part of Kentucky in a long time. You know, it's 15 degrees every day. 13 degrees. And then you get a day where it gets up to 40, and it rains, and it creates a muddy mess. And then it rains some more, and it gets up to 50 degrees, and then it drops right back down. And then we started getting snow. Last year, I think it was the most it had ever snowed, number of days of snow in that area of Kentucky there had ever been. And all of this while you're trying to construct this building because you've got uh, an electrical contractor that's breathing down your throat to get started. We've got equipment that's showing up from manufacturers, and at this point, you know some of our specialty equipment was done, and we were having to pay to warehouse it at their place because we couldn't take delivery of it. And then we've got three guys that are working on this building, and then we get a call that only two guys showed up that day, and so we reached out to to ClearSpan, and so what happened, ClearSpan? You only have two guys there today? Yeah, one guy walked. Two guys are going to be able to finish this The Yeah, they should. And then the next day, there was only one guy. And he said, there's no way I can do it by myself. So he's going home. And so we lost everybody in the middle of building this building. If you can imagine the phone calls we had. If you can imagine the panic The panic of uh, at, at this point, it's become where you've made it this far in the process, this far in the construction. You've got a beautiful pad, you've got half a building standing. You've moved someone from Knoxville to Calhoun, Kentucky, to McLean County. That's Jim. Jim's already uprooted, man. He sold his house here. He moved. He lives in Madisonville, Kentucky now. And we've made it this far in construction. And the contractor that's building our building just walked off the job and said, good luck. Panic is an understatement. Panic is not the right word to use in this situation. It was a full outer body experience. It was chaos. It was nuts. You could not yell at somebody on the phone enough about your displeasure. And it just did not resonate with anybody except the other guys that are in the room with you. You hang up from the phone call of using every bad word you could possibly think of, and you look at everybody else. You look at all the faces in the office where you're all gathered, right, and you just scream at them, and you're like, yeah, I, I, I told them. I got them there. And then usually somebody would be the voice of reason and would be like, I doubt they even care. And, you know, and it just, it just it makes your blood boil. And so what do you do? You pick up the phone and you call them again, and, and you go through the exact same conversation you just had, and you really lay into them, you know. And, I mean, you just you give it to them. You put in the word and you verbalize how much disgust and hate and um, potential harm they cause, not just the project, but the number of families they're affecting right now. They're affecting families, and you're communicating this. And you hang up and you feel good for 15, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and then it, it dawns on you that chances are it's probably it's probably going nowhere. But somehow, by the grace of God one of the superintendents for the company called us back and he said, I'm going to be there. This is, this is, the guy walked on like a Wednesday, right? And I think probably on like Friday, maybe even a Saturday morning, he called and he said, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there on Tuesday and I'm bringing a whole new crew of people with me to finish the job. And we all high-fived. And we all high-fived like we figured it out. And, and, and let me tell you, I think, I think really it was during this time I, 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 maybe not exactly here, but I think this was at least kind of the the, the groundwork, um, especially for how John and I operate as a team. Um, when you're dealing with two people like that, and you can you can really gauge it, it, at least to this point, we were able to gauge how we would work together based on how we would handle these types of situations. And for anybody that knows me, knows, you know, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I do not hide anything. I just go out full bore, full throttle, wide open, uh, 900 miles an hour. Right. And John is much more methodical. He's, he's much more, um, he's much more deliberate and calculated, and so, this this internal carbon earth persona of good cop, bad cop, and the relationship between John and I started to started to, to come forward, and, and we realized, I well, it, it, maybe not yet. That's probably a little premature right now, but uh, if there was ever the groundwork or, or that to be laid for us to have uh, the great skill set of good cop, bad cop, I think it was practicing it through this time period um, help, helped us develop that, which... You'll see later on in the conversation that it, it actually it, it works out for us quite nicely in lots of situations. So I'll go ahead and spoil the ending here. The guy did show up on Tuesday with a crew, and he did get our building knocked out. And so we were pumped. We had a building. We had a finished building We were able to take receipt of our equipment that we had in storage. And we were ready to start taking receipt of the material from PAC. And oh boy, it wasn't ready. All right, everybody. I'll be coming back at you probably next week. Now that we made it to the GIE, I've got my... Ah, I got my feet back under me here Man, that show is tough I'm not gonna lie, it takes it out of you But when we do come back We're gonna talk about The next set of delays we faced And what that meant And then I learned the lesson of Why it takes six weeks To construct A plant Ain't nothing gonna stop this Ain't nothing gonna stop this fire Because six weeks ain't even enough. It ain't enough, and I didn't know! All right, everybody, I appreciate you tuning in. If you haven't, share it with a friend. This is The Grass Factor. Hashtag one